Hello, everyone. I am Bree. And this is a CSI Talk. Hi everyone, hello, welcome back, welcome back to another week, another episode of CSI Talks. We are currently, what, eight weeks away from the premiere? Well, when you are listening to this, we are nine weeks, eight weeks, eight, eight weeks away. <laughs> nine. Nine. We, we, we have created a countdown on our Instagram. So, whenever we post something about season two, we're going to post that countdown. If you'd like to add it to your Instagram, it's to our Instagram, it's at csi.talk. Again, that's csi.talk. And you can follow us there if you like. And we're on Twitter too, so if you want to follow us there too, it's at CSI Talk Podcast. So before we get into today's episode, just want to let you guys know that this is a safe space for you. So whenever you want to come here just to shut up the world, escape the world, and just listen to two girls talking about their favorite science crime fighting show, we're here for you. So today we're going to be talking about who, Brie? Julie Jules Finley Olsen. Oh, she made her first appearance in season 12 after our dear Catherine Willows leaves to work for the FBI. And she. episode is titled Scene Red. Yep. And. DB, who we're going to talk about, we're going to talk more about next week, about his relationship with Sarah, and we're probably going to talk about that episode that it was, shall now be named. He calls her to help her, to help him with the crime scene because she has great expertise in blood spatter. So Matilda DB actually calls her a blood whisperer, probably a nod to the show whisperer or something completely else. I don't know. That was the first thing I thought about. And I just, I remember the scene that we are introduced to her. She's, I think she's giving a seminar to DSIs and she ask them like what it means if her arm is pointed in one direction and they cannot figure out why because they haven't opened the closet door and DB just walks in interrupts her seminar and explains what is going on and she called he calls her to help her with this crime scene 
and she accepts to work on this case, but is kind of reluctant to stay. But ZB offers her a spot in the team, which she takes it because there was down one CSI. I just, I, I just have to look. I love Finn. I do. I love her. I love her relationship with Sarah. I love how she, how Finn, Sarah, and Morgan formed this beautiful friendship. Well, they were Donna and the Dynamos. If you get that reference, good for you. <laughs> like, I love, I love the, I love her relationship with ZB too. The, and his family. And his family, yeah. Because she was his work wife. There is just something that I would like to say. I just, I don't really like when a character that everyone loves leaves. And then that care that spot is immediately replaced. It was, it was over an episode later. It's not the next episode, unlike most shows. Yeah, I I know, but I would just, I would have just liked to see how the team was handling without Catherine for maybe like three or four episodes. You know, I'm like because in real life it would take about a month or something to to hire someone new, especially a new CSI that would work well with the team. What the? I'm it's just like, I, I think of shows like Criminal Minds, I'm saying Criminal Minds because I am almost finishing up Criminal Minds. And the one thing that I wasn't really, I didn't really like is when a character leaves, they are replaced almost immediately with someone else. I know technically it's something different because in criminalizes the FBI and in CSI, it's something completely different. But it kind of, I, I don't know, it just, because like in criminal minds, Emily leaves and then she's immediately replaced by two different actors on two different on on different seasons like aj cook left and they put someone else and they put an actress who could be the twin sister to aj cook all the little historical differences yeah i know and then like you go to csi and catherine leaves you know a character that has been there since day one and then a few episodes later, like one of two episodes later, you replace her with Finn. Like, I love Finn. I love her character. love everything about her. And I don't think they should have killed her. If you haven't gotten that far, spoiler alert, they kill her. So you think they should have handled like how they handled Sarah's departure? Because they never really replaced Sarah. Yeah. Perhaps, I mean, I would use the thing that I was missing is that I wanted to see how the team would react because DB was there for like, DB was there for like one season already, right? 
he got in the season 11. So he was there for less than two years. It took a while for the scene to get. No, he was there. No, that was season 12 was his first season. Catherine left because of how she was replaced. Yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is that, like, I wanted to see how that team would have, how their dynamic would have been affected without one of its founding mothers. You know what I mean? It's just, I wanted to see that relationship between. Nick, Greg, Sarah, Morgan, and DB. I wanted to see how that dynamic would have changed without Catherine because when DB came, he came to fulfill a void. Not cut, not left by Ray, but left by Catherine, who was devoted by Ray's actions. I actually and think it was really to fill Christmas void. Because nobody could, Catherine could not feel it because she was there the whole time. And Ray did not truly feel it. They needed a strong leader. You know, that's the thing. I, I, why, why I do love DB as a leader and sometimes I think that he was be a better supervisor than Catherine or Grissom. I don't think Bruce is fully replaceable. I don't think he's replaceable because, I mean, we have this connection to Grissom because he was there since day one. He is the founding father of the team. He was basically the first, he's, I think he was in the first scene. Yeah, he was in the first scene of the first ever episode. And he was married, like the only connection we had to Grissom at that point before the divorce was Sarah. And then somehow now one of our founding mother leaves. One of our guys is dead. And now we have a new leader. This weird new leader. This weird new leader who we don't really know so much about, but keeps talking about his family. And then we I have this person. I think one of the reasons why I really like DB was because he was from Seattle. You know, I like DB because he has, I mean, I do believe that if I was a CSI and then someone else came in as if he owns the place, I'd be like in the fences. He wasn't acting like that. He was actually asking for help with our how to deal with everybody and and whatnot. Yeah, I know, but I think I'd be in defenses about him. But until I eventually would take him in, like I love how because after Grissom's leaves, like Grissom Sarah leaves. And then work dies, and then Wilson leaves, and this family who has who has been through a lot suddenly becomes a very dysfunctional family. 
that, that they work together. They have been working together for what feels like forever now. And oh, then, all of that, like, there is a lot of things that we didn't say and things left and sad and all of that. And then, like, I love, like, there is this discussion happening between Nick, Sarah, and Greg because Nick wanted to leave. And then him and Sarah started to have this argument. And then Nick acts a lot like a, a really cowboy like me, like, Catherine once told me if you can't hold, if, if you can't take this job, there's the door. And, and then the drop to Sarah. Uh, this is when I think he did not know the real reason why Sarah left. I don't think Sarah told anyone besides Grissom where she left. Yeah. I think she would have eventually told, she would have eventually sat down and have a conversation with them. It's not that she didn't trust them. I think it was post-divorce. Yeah, it's not that she didn't trust them. I just think that she had been through so much, through so many things up until that point that only Grissom, like Grissom knew all of her struggles. That's why she told him and only him. She wasn't really open up, but I like to think that she, after she was, she'll, after she told people about the divorce, because DB actually encouraged her to, to take that first step. And after she told people about the divorce, I think she would have been a lot more open. And because at that point, it would have been a few years since Natalie Davis kidnapped her. So. I think she would have probably sit down and talk to Finn and talk to Morgan. Like a few weeks after the divorce, then like after you were done with your ex, like you talk shit about him or her or. Sarah never really talked shit about him. Yeah, she wouldn't talk shit about him, but she would probably say stuff like he never had TL, always said that he didn't have signal and all that. Like. She would probably talk about their lack of communication, probably just sit down with Morgan and Finn, have a few drinks, and just start to say a lot of things. Yeah. Well, let's get back to Finn. Yeah, so, so she, when she is invited to work on that case, she develops a good friendship with all of them. In fact, when she is handling piece of evidence of blood spatter. She tells ZB, send me your best DNA DNA expert and he sends a brag. <laughs> that was a great day. So she told the team, the team knew that she and DB had a past, but it is only in the episode of Homecoming that she tells the rest of the team about her relationship with ZB and how it was in Seattle. And according to B is to Bree is the worst Seattle backdrop ever. <laughs> Not the worst, but up there. 
I'm saying what's on kid stuff that takes place in Seattle. Also in that episode, that's the episode that his granddaughter gets kidnapped and she's with her. And because of that, she becomes targeted by a corrupted cop. That's how they find out that there's this this web of corrupted cops. They didn't didn't die just because McKinn went to jail and then I think I think DB would have known about that case. I think Finn would have known about that case too. And you know what? I like to think that if Warp was alive, she she and Finn Finn and him would have been good friends. So we were we're left with cliffhanger in season twelve and then in season thirteen, like the episode Comrade to Burn. Tara tells Finn that uh, Eckley was shot and then she Finn calls D B to tell him where she was. And then she also tells DB that Crenshaw is also a bad seed, and she wants to find out what that guy was up to. And DB doesn't really agree, but Finn doesn't really care because she keep she still investigating that guy. And then DB DB didn't feel good about Finn doing things on her own, and that's he's a bit suspicious about it. And then everything is confirmed when Crosshaw baits her into going to a bar. But since she is she is suspicious about the involvement that he had in the kidnapping. She's suspicious of that. That's why she goes there. So when they get to the bar, they find out that Caitlin is being held in a warehouse behind the bar. And then Crenshaw trans threatens. I totally butchered that word, didn't I? She threatens Finn with his gun and locks her up with with Caitlin. And then Finn managed to set Kaylee free, but Crenshaw's partner, Paul Kimball, tries to get uh, Kaylee again. So, I mean, the meantime, I, I think that whole sequence is such a badass thing. Uh, Crenshaw is trying to fight Finn, but she's hiding from him. And then she jumps on him, and then they started fighting. I love that. Finn managed to hurt him, and then she runs away, but he somehow stands up, goes to her, punches her, and then puts handcuffs on her. It is implying that he would rape her if Detective Moreno would have didn't interrupt him and shot him.
So the Dante crew sure it would have sexually assaulted Finn. Great. And that's the only time he was almost raped on the show. Yeah. Look, I get it. Like that, like uh, like I said last week, I get it. They have to talk about it because it's something that needs to be talked about. It, but especially in the crime show with as much of it, with this big reach like CSI. But they managed to save to save his granddaughter because of Finn's efforts. To ruin Crenshaw's plan. So, there's this episode called CSI on Fire. It's about a case that it's kind of, it's very personal to Finn because they find a lot of victims of Tom Cooley. He is the one that got away from her and Seattle because they find they find victims buried in the desert. So I think you all know which episode I'm referring, but if you don't, so This guy was a serial killer, okay? He was a serial killer, and Finn was sure that he had killed a lot of a lot of women, but she couldn't prove it. She couldn't prove it, and she thinks she can prove it now, so she decides to go to Seattle, and DB knew that what she would do. He tried to stop her, but he couldn't. And <sighs> okay, a trigger warning. This guy Tom Coley with his two closest friends, they would drug and rape a woman together. And they thought this woman was dead. They were going to bury her, but then she woke she woke up and she escaped. This woman turns out she married someone else and Finn goes and tries to talk to her about it. Actually, there is an evidence that is recovered from the crime scene is a ring and it's a ring that she had on when they tried to kill her. <laughs> when she managed to get away. Tom Coley, Tom Coley told her that nobody would believe her if she told anyone, which sadly is still is true. Whenever a woman or a man comes out saying that they were sexually assaulted, nobody believes them. But as I said last week, I believe you. There do I. So, in fast forward to 2010, Cole killed Janet Warren and buried her with the other victims that he had killed previously. And Finn is investigating the case, even though her body wasn't found yet. 
but she found evidence incriminating him, even his semen, but apparently that wasn't enough. And she actually obtained DNA, the DNA sample, because she broke into his house and took his glass. And she had the DNA, but she had to prove that it was him. So she took the DNA sample by herself, but she could have done that, which would have meant that the case wouldn't be good in the tri in a trial. And Coley was legally, legally, he would have been in the clear. And, and see, and then that's what caused DB to fire Finn in Seattle. Yep. That's why she was fired because she obtained evidence in an illegal way. So that was a cold, cold call for Coley. So he had one of his friends dig the bodies up and reburied them in the preserved land in Nevada. Because he didn't think they would be able to be dug up again. Obviously, he didn't know that one of the best suicides in the country were from from Las Vegas, Nevada, huh? So he also made he also made sure that the area where he killed and buried the women was he made sure that those bodies wouldn't be found either because he bought the land and turned into a building okay and then after this body turns up on CNSI on fire then and then to identify one of them as Jenna Warren and he, Coley's like, no, it is not. I'm going to offer a reward for any information that can aid the investigation. And Finn is literally like, who asked you to do this? And as we know, in, in criminal minds, when someone puts themselves into the investigation, they are usually the guilty party, right? But the CSI, but then in the next morning, he is found dead of an apparent suicide. But they find out that Finn confronted Coley in his hotel room because there was evidence that she was there. So they find out that the CSI thinks that Coley wouldn't kill himself, even if it, because he, the evidence was not pointing to him. And it turns out that he had a high amount of sedatives on his body. And if they combined it with the alcohol, it wasn't a good mix. And that actually is what killed him. So his death would have been an accident, but he was found, 
head in the hanging position and that he couldn't have done that by himself. So they suspect that he was killed by his lawyer, Gavin Peters. Pearson? Pearson. Yeah. And then they find evidence that does incriminate this guy. And he is offered a reduced sentence if he helps the CSIs identify the remaining victims. So he gives Brass the names and we think he is incarcerated. So this guy, he is a serial killer. And we only got, him. I think he would have, I think he, his art would have been a good art if, if he was put in the main show. Well, so we have to talk about the twins, right? They marked Paul Gosler. We, but also, we also, people stop blocking your car. We also should talk about car fleeing. Before fleeing, almost. Too much. And then the biggest ones are both in Goes Gone Wild and Goes Gone Wild at all episodes. So the episodes. Me too, especially the Wild or one, which we. We talked about that one, so I have more in-depth stuff about that one from the commentary on our episode about Goes Gone Wild. But in the first episode, Ben meets the guy who she likes, but she finds out he's married, but he does not like to know from anthropophenters, so she ends up hurting him. She thinks she kills him, but she doesn't. But then she's framed for murder, for his murder, and then gets kidnapped. Seriously, why do the girls get kidnapped all the time on the show? <laughs> As I said before, there is only two characters that they are allowed to not kidnap, Grissom and Warwick. Warwick's already dead. Grissom's off the show. These are the only characters that they are not going to want. Yeah. So, so Morgan runs back to Vegas. And everybody comes, so I'm going to shoot somebody. Well, if she does shoot somebody. The only time she gets a bullet in her head. Yeah, she gets a, a graze. And so, Sarah, so as everybody trying, they find Ben. Then they find the body, the person who tried to rape her. Ben wants to work the case, but she's not allowed, really. And we see Nick going through the scene without any gloves on in one of the scenes. I mean, there was a small tale. But Nick! Nick is old. He's old in the game, but at, the, at that point, I think he was... And in the game? Really years, almost? He, I know he wasn't new to the game, but I feel like at that point he was so pissed and they had a lot of evidence, like they had a pile of evidence against that, against the, uh, the perpetrator. So 
Because I mean, I think it would have had, it would have been the same thing that almost happened to Ray. Like if a CSI contaminates any evidence, they, they just have to write in their reports. And then the, they touched that evidence when they were in the scene. And I mean, if we're a CSI or know somebody that is a CSI and what we're saying doesn't make any sense, I'm just telling you what I saw in the show. So they probably have to fill in a report saying that they did touch that piece of evidence. And then when that evidence being processed, their fingerprints, the, uh, I don't know, whatever DNA that they left in that evidence. Would it be disconsidered? Maybe. I don't know. So then, and goes on water. We find out she has this repeated claim with this one guy every time they go to a conference together. And those three have a conversation about love, how Fen just wants ring. Morgan does not know what she wants. So want a full relationship. But the guy ends up getting shot. She uses a tampon to stop the bleeding. You know, that's what tampons were actually first oh, invented for. Yeah. Yeah, fun facts. Um, fun facts with Kari on CSI Talk. Tampons were first invented, I think, in World War II. To stop the bleedings of the soldiers. I thought it was before war. I thought it was before the war was. That was close around the Civil War. No, actually, they they used different methods back then to stop the bleeding. Okay. Then they when they when they invented actually when they invented plastic, and made men before World War One. That's when they find out that they could actually turn that plastic into a tampon, and then it was actually used to stop bleeding because that plastic would absorb the blood more quickly. And in one of the mini wars during the Cold War, ladies figured out that I can help out with them. Yeah, World War One, Two, all the Cold War wars and all the Vietnam or Vietnam or Korea are the two majors. Well, it does so you do know that it does work. Yeah. If you find yourself bleeding or someone bleeding, you can't put a tampon on it and trust me, it is gonna hold all the blood. Yeah, and and after everything ever happens, the lady's like, let's do it at home spa treatment. Because man, she always goes to hell in those episodes. Yeah. More than it's always ends up being the safest. So always experiences some gun violence. I don't know why she, why in those in those two episodes Sarah is always out at gunpoint. Yeah, at least this time she was not shot. At, she almost was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually by a case that was mentioned in Star Vegas episode one. <laughs> oh, that episode was just on this past Thursday for me. 
So back to, to Ben, we did talk about this case with the twins with a lot more details in our serial killers episode, but she ended up being the victim of one of them. And actually her crime scene was being prepared until DB interrupts them. They find Finn. She's put into a coma, but then we find out that in reality, she's dead. I have one question. Why? If you have the DVD, you get to see DB at her grave. And then they leave the scene. I just have one question. Why? Maybe Elizabeth's shoe wasn't available. You know, this, I said this before and I'm going to say it again. I would have loved that's like an immortality when the Grissom and Sarah see each other in the hallway. I would have loved if, if Finn was alive. She comes back to the lab and she's working. She sees Sarah and Grissom talking in the hallway. She knows who Grissom is. Because of the story Sarah told her, but she's also mad at him because, because of all the pain that Grayson put Sarah through. So I would have loved to see a scene in which Finn shows up and tells him, oh, DB is calling us in his office. And then Sarah just introduced him like, oh, Finn, this is Dr. Gil Grissom. Gil, this is Jules, Jules Finley, but everyone calls her Finn. And then the Finn would have been like, oh, so you're the famous Dr. Grissom. And he's like, I guess. <laughs> and then the Finn is like, oh, great to meet you. And instead of shaking his hand, she just slaps him. And then she's like, that's for hurting my best friend or like my friend or something like that. Because we all know that Finn would have done, would have do something like that. I don't think she would resort to violence, though. I like to think that she would. And I don't even think that he would have opposed too much. Oh, he would. I mean, yeah, but he would say something like, Finn, you can't go around slapping people, your friends' ex-husbands. Do I slap your ex-husbands around? And then so, you, know, you don't, but I would, but I <laughs> Do you think Finn would support Sarah going to Grissom? Going back to, I think during the course of the investigation and immortality, I think Finn would have been with them every step of the way. So there would be no chance for Sarah to fall back for him? Maybe. Because, like, I, I think, like, I think this is something that I would do, but more because of the fact that this man hurt my best friend. But you can't be around them all the time. No, I, I would, I would have liked to still walk with Catherine more than anything else. Yeah, I think they would have. I think they would have been best friends, honestly. Talking about blood. 
Can you imagine, like, if they were when in the dinner party and at one of Catherine's festivities, and then then would have just she would have just sit down and tell the team about some like some cases that she and DB worked back in the day, or like how DB was. And TP was always so eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would have been a great... I think that would have been a great scene. A great relationship, too. So, Bree, what are we talking about next week? DB and Sarah's father-daughter-like relationship. I know we talk a lot about Sarah and everybody she's with. But she's the character who had second to the most close relationship with everybody. Mm. And accepted everybody. Yep. Like Nick got some homework. And I think maybe we're going to talk about that episode that shall now be named. And I'm going to talk about the landed scene from one of their first episodes. So thank you so much for listening to us. See you next week. Bye. Love you. Love y'all.